Hey, welcome back to the Canatech podcast. I'm Harry Brelsford. We're back with Dr. Paul Seaborn at the University of Virginia. Um, don't know if that's fall colors right over your shoulder. We're coming up on pumpkin season before you know it. Maybe you're already starting to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, it's still pretty warm and humid here in Virginia, but uh, we'll, we'll have a beautiful fall as we usually do. And uh, a busy few months in the cannabis world too, I think. So. Yeah. Well, you wanted to talk about New York, New York. What's What's going on with New York? Yeah, so I think it's been a long time. People have been wondering if and when New York will open up adult use. And uh, it's one of those big prizes on the map because you're looking at 19 million residents, maybe upwards of a five, six billion dollar market. And uh, I think what's probably of most interest to to your followers is unlike some of the other states, there's a real tug of war going on between whether the big multi-state operators who have some of the medical licenses in New York already, whether they were going to get priority in the market or whether they're going to give priority to the other end of the spectrum, a lot of small um, entrepreneurs who either have a hemp license and who can then start growing full-scale marijuana, or also those who have some sort of social equity um, justification, in particular, looking at those who have a, a conviction, actual conviction on their record from cannabis. And so far, it looks like it's that second group that's going to get priority. They've issued oh, some, some early licenses to hemp farmers. So the hemp farmers who've only been operating under the farm bill can start growing full marijuana for the market. Um, and they're starting to take applications for social equity retail operators. So uh, so that's a, that's a pretty unusual thing. And most of the states have just gone with whoever they know from medical. And it totally changes who has those initial licenses on day one. Yeah, I guess the last thing anyone who's been to New York or I haven't actually been to Manhattan, but a number of my UVA students have been and, and other folks I talked to. And there's all sorts of, I guess, gray market or kind of early uh, early entry stores just popping up anyway. They're not going to wait for licenses. And so uh, you're seeing a little bit of that in New York, too, which is always um, interesting to watch. Yeah. With those pop ups, I, I think I saw something about that. Um any sense of what the punishment is? I mean, it, could you go to federal prison? I mean, I mean, if the punishment's nothing, then they'll pop up and then pop up again and pop up again. A lot like illegal limousine drivers at East Coast airports, right? They're back the next day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's the assessment they made is that it's a legal substance in New York now. And so although they don't have a license to sell, they don't expect the penalties to be as high. They're not engaging in interstate commerce or something that would bring in necessarily federal involvement. So it's not only storefronts, but you have a whole fleet of trucks that are driving around Manhattan. And, uh, you know, now you see them, now you don't kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Leave it to New York. You know, I, I, I always enjoy old time movies about prohibition or gangsters in New York City, you know, black and white. Um, New, New York's a rowdy town. I mean, this makes perfect sense given their history over literally centuries. Uh, they're they're pretty rowdy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and when you think about cannabis, I mean, this has been one of the biggest world markets for decades as well. And so I think one of the the factors weighing on the regulators there is if they don't offer a strong legal option, people are going to find other options anyway, you know, much as they've done in California. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, there are people who have been, uh, who've been treated well by, by the cannabis market in New York without having legalization. So it's a kind of a different flavor than some other States where this is a a brave new world altogether. 
Well, a couple of final thoughts, folks. Uh, and, and Paul, maybe I'll get you involved in this too. I've reached out to 20 MSOs. Um, our, my friend and yours, Randy, helped me put together a spreadsheet and I've reached out to the basically the PR department at MSOs to talk to the CTO, the chief technology officer, and have a podcast series. So I want to have an MSO podcast series for a while. And um I'll, I'll double check my inbox. Maybe I've heard back from a couple, but um, I already can tell. Here's what's interesting, Paul, is with the reach outs to PR, kind of going through their websites. Um, these are, are big businesses. I mean, it, it's it's very apparent that we're dealing with, I call it a corporation versus um you know, what I knew the industry to be several years ago when I got my head back into it. You go to the dispensary in Kitsap County across from Seattle, and they're kind of onesie twosies. There were a lot of just onesie dispensaries. Maybe they now have a branch and um, very different flavor. I, I, I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah. I mean, I think the nice thing about the cannabis space is there's room for, for both extremes, right? Just like you see maybe many years later in the wine industry and in, you know, craft breweries, you've got those little niche and craft and, and really unique oper- operators. And you've got the anheuser bushes of the world at the other end. And so, yeah, we're actually at a point where we have some of these multi-billion dollar market cap, uh, multi-state operators. And from a technology point of view, and they are a bigger fish to land if you're going to provide them with hardware, software, services, and, uh, and they have needs just like everyone else. So I uh, say, so yeah, I think that's a great idea for a series. And, and it's going to be interesting to hear, you know, a little bit of how much they, they roll their own versus, you know, go out to the market for solutions and you know, who they're using and maybe kind of what, even what their spend is, because I think that's, it's a little hard to gauge from the outside where a lot of these are not publicly traded in yeah. the traditional way. You know, there's still maybe a mix of private investment or some, Canadian stock exchange listings and things. So, you know, there's still a lot to learn about what, what they're doing behind the scenes. So Paul, we're going to get you back. Uh, the, the last week of December, just literally just before Halloween and then the uh, November 8th primary elections. And the reason is, is I want you to uh, uh, kind of like ESPN on, on Saturday morning with college football. I want you to uh, call them like you see them with some of the ballot initiatives. <laughs> Yeah, I should have at least five or six to to give you a prediction on. But uh, yeah, between now and then, people will argue whether the teams are allowed to get on the field. So maybe you know, in, in a certain state, they'll manage to block the, the vote altogether. But uh, yeah, I, I would say by late October, we'll have plenty to talk about going into November. All right, my friend. All right. Teach on. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. All right.